And when it's selfish motivations, most of the times it doesn't work. And that's why the company works also really well today. It's because we have a vision about what we do and what the impact we want to have in a close and long future. Welcome to Lawagon Live. Our guest today is Virgil Olivier, co-founder and CEO at LiveScale. Video, digital media, and innovation expert, Virgil is a French entrepreneur and an active player in the Montreal startup scene. LiveScale is the first live streaming platform that allows you to create a real-time interactive e-commerce experience known as live shopping. Listen as he shares how he learned from his experience as an entrepreneur and how his team is adjusting to the COVID-19 situation. So my name is Virgil. Uh, I'm coming from France. I landed in Montreal 18 months ago, but we we have incorporated the company LiveScale uh, nearly three years and a half now. Uh, so my background, I've made most of, most of my career in, in the video industry and, and IT industry. Uh, LiveScale is my fourth company that I've co-founded with uh, Laurent Boutet, my, uh, my CTO. So from, from the beginning, um, what, what kind of, uh, like, did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur or did you kind of experiment with, with uh, not being a founder, kind of going to other things first? Yeah. So my, my, my father was an entrepreneur, but that is by the real definition of the name, he really created a company and dedicated nearly 20 years of his, of his life to it. And basically when I was younger, I see him being an entrepreneur and I was keep saying to my father, I will never be an entrepreneur, but <laughs> maybe entrepreneurship is a virus. So I started my first company when I was 19 mm -hmm. years old. Basically, because I wanted to be to be my own boss, and I fastly learned that you are not your own boss when you are an entrepreneur. You are basically the employee of a lot of stakeholders: uh, your employees, your stakeholders, your customers, uh, even with the states when it comes to taxes. So uh, I will say that it was more a virus. So I failed the first time, the second time, second company I've created failed but it was really in a tough industry so i was uh, i've created a website with a friend where basically we were doing reviews about tvs on theaters movies and dvds we really loved it because i'm really an home theater fan but it was really a tough industries so uh, after maybe a year i stopped and then when i co-founded my third company this one was a success and basically this success was the route that gave me the the opportunity and, and also the the objective to create a new company, which was LiveScale with uh, with Laurent. So, so do you think that your passions kind of drove how you got the next idea uh, for like your next businesses? It really depends. What, when I look back at the first company I've created, it, the motivation was clearly different. Sometimes it's selfish motivation, and when it's selfish motivations, most of the times it doesn't work. And when I compare it to LiveScale, with LiveScale, at first, we, we see an opportunity in, in the live streaming industry. But then we realize that beyond this opportunity, uh, there was something big to achieve with live shopping. So that's why we've pivoted nearly a year ago to, to live shopping. Because when we've created LiveScale, we saw an opportunity, but we didn't have any vision about what we do. Uh, but for live shopping, it's completely different. And that's why the company works also really well today. It's because we have a vision about what we do and what the impact we want to, want 
to have uh, in in a close and, and long future. Hmm. That's really interesting. So how did Livescale first get started? Was, was it with a, a, a focus group or a question or kind of just wondering or? No, it's even, it's, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not, it's really a short story. It's basically, okay. I was taking news of, of Florence. So at that time I was still in Paris. I was working as uh, the innovation advisor slash manager of a big telecom operator in France. Mm -hmm. And I was taking news from Laurent and I had this, we had a long discussion. We didn't discuss for, for the last six months. He was just leaving his, his, uh, his job at the moment. And we both had this gut feeling that we have to do something together. And basically 48 hours, we had a long conversation. And at the end of the day, we said, okay, let's start to venture together. Wow. So, so is a partner kind of a key part of, of how you uh, grew and, and, and eventually became a full company? Yeah, because what I've learned from my previous company, it's going alone in your own venture is, is a pass, of course, but it's really a tough pass. Mm -hmm. Having one partner or multiple partners, sometimes it's it, it's difficult because you are not all, always um, okay on different subjects. But at the same time, it allows you to challenge ideas, to have different point of view of an, on an idea. So for me, uh, creating ventures with partner is really key uh, in entrepreneurship. So as as Lascale grew, um, every business encounters challenges and roadblocks kind of things. Um, there are obviously ones that are expected and also ones that are very much not expected. Um, which, you know, challenges did you see coming? Which ones kind of came as a surprise, even on your fourth uh, business? I think the biggest challenge with your, when you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's customers. Because depending uh, on your market research or connection or network you can have, you assume a lot of things. Uh, but between assuming things and the market's reality, the gap can be huge. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen with LightScan when we started, we knew that the technical innovation we were going to bring on the market was huge, but we thought that our customer uh, will see it naturally, and it was natural. It was not natural for them. And what we learned, it's basically that the pain points they have was not the pain point we were addressing because their pain point was, okay, guys, your technology is great, but how do I make revenue with my live video? And that's where we started to question ourselves saying, we have a great technology. We have prestigious customers in the esports industry, in the broadcasting industry mm -hmm. who love our technology, but they are not using it because their focus is on another pain point. So would you describe that as, oh, and also I'm seeing we have a question now, if there's, if there's a way you can give a, a quick overview of, of, uh, of the company's current software um, and kind yeah. of the technical, kind of what it is. So, 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 today, so today we provide uh, a live shopping solutions, meaning, and what is live shopping? Live shopping is basically a Facebook live. And, uh, and on top of it, basically you can buy products that are shown in the video. So basically it's a live streaming where people can, can interact by chat, by surveys, with likes, and also they can buy products in free clicks. And what's really in innovative in, in what we do, it's basically this e-commerce layer on the, the live streaming is directly connected to the e-commerce of our customers, let's say a Shopify platform. So for our customers, it's really a new way to use live video streaming to empower their sales 
uh, in a really entertaining show. And basically, customers love it because especially during those COVID times, people can discuss uh, in direct, they can see products, they can ask questions the same way they, sh they could do in a retail, uh, in a brick and mortar, but at the moment they can't. Uh, and at the same time, they have really this conveniency of buying online the same way they do with, with Amazon or Shopify store. Cool. Yeah, thank you for, for <clears throat> excuse me, thank you for kind of explaining what uh, what Logical does. Um, so uh, I, I do want to kind of get back to this this interacting with customers in a meaningful way. Would you kind of put that as your product market fit search? Is that kind of what the the challenge was? Kind of figuring out I have this technology. How do I almost package it for the right user? Have them understand it. Yeah, for sure. It's really a question of product market fit because when we started the company, we believe that. The technical innovation we were bringing on the market will speak by itself. And so we were in a way lazy. So we didn't make enough customer interviews and the real customer interviews by saying, not showing the product and to have the satisfaction of great feedback, but going one step further to say, okay, you love what we are building. Are you ready to pay for it? And how much? And even are you ready to pay now to have the product shipped in a few months? We didn't make this exercise, and so we pay it, I will say, a few months later because sales were, were not taking off the way we expected based on the feedback we had from the customer. Mm -hmm. So that's why with live shopping, we completely change our game, and that's why we have entered, for example, uh, Founder Fuel, really to accelerate and, and to do this market research, this beta test with customer to be sure that the feedback of the market was not just uh, to uh, to to have a positive feedback, but really to size the the market opportunity in terms of customers. And and were were these interviews mostly done as you were starting as a company? Do you do 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 you still do them? We still do them. Mm -hmm. We still do them a lot because as live shopping can cover a lot of different verticals. Uh, mm -hmm. The point of doing interviews for us was really to nail what is the the few first vertical we should address and, and why we wanted to do that is because in terms of marketing and sales, you have to focus your efforts. And at the same time, you have to focus on customer where your value proposition is, is, is the better for them. So how, how do these uh, kind of results in the interviews, how do they inform your next decisions? Like uh, how does feedback from one or, you know, any number of, of, customers um, inform the next things you'll be doing? And can you give examples possibly? It depends. I, I don't say there is some some ratios to stick to it, but as soon as, and it comes back to the vision, as soon as you believe you have enough feedback to move on, that's enough. Mm -hmm. So it really calls for your uh, for your business acumen to, to be sure that depending of having five interviews, 10, 50, 100, you have enough feedback and you have enough conviction that you can move forward in that direction mm -hmm. because this conviction will be necessary for every stakeholders of the company. So your employees, your management, your, 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 your investors, uh, your partners, such as lawyers and bank, because they need to feel your conviction to, to give you some credibility. Right. Obviously, having a vision really factors into how you interpret feedback and how you ask for feedback. Um, and obviously, and is, is there a balance you have to walk of letting it guide or maybe bias the results you get from the customer feedback? 
you you always have bias, so you have to to battle against your bias. But at the same time, it's a question of balance. Mm-hmm. So of course you have to fight your bias about the feedback you can have. But at the same time, I believe that gut feeling is really important because gut feeling by the end of the day is what is going to make the difference compared to other startup or your competitors. Hmm. Something that I that I personally really wonder about is 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 kind of the mentality of a founder, the mentality of someone who who starts a small business or starts a business or you know, all these things, and and the key personality traits that factor into that, right? Um, levels of being risk seeking versus risk aversive. Um, as someone uh, who is a founder, do you have any thoughts on on key personality traits that would I don't know make somebody a more successful founder than others? For me, one of the key traits is really leadership. So you have different kind of flavors of leadership. This leadership is really important because you cannot achieve anything by yourself. It's really uh, uh, a team move. Uh, it's really depend of all the people who are going to work with you to bring your idea always to the next level, quarter after quarter. And when mm-hmm. I'm talking about team, it's of course the people within the company with you on a daily basis, but it's also all your partners. So for example, if you take the example of LifeScale, we will not be where we are without, let's say, our bank like RBC, our lawyers, uh, also some um, uh, some communities like Bonjour Startup Montréal, Osmo Innovation, uh, Montréal International. It's really important because it's a collective effort. So um, speaking of community and, and more present times, how is LiveScale, how are you handling uh, COVID in terms of business ideas, business growth strategy? Yeah, so, so the first thing we've done, it was not really related to our growth of business. It was really about helping others. So what happened is basically when Prime Minister Legault announced uh, basically first measure against COVID on March 12th, I remember it really well because on March 12th, it was my anniversary. <laughs> and when they did that, when they did announce the, the first measures, so LifeScale, we actually are, are based in the Palais des Congrès de Montréal, as we are a partner of Palais des Congrès de Montréal through the CITE program, which is really a, a, great, pro, a great program. And we saw a lot of event organizers, a lot of people completely despaired because their events were cancelled. And from one one hour and, and yeah, really a matter of minutes. So seeing that, we say, okay, first first thing we have to do, we have to help people because when you have an event, when you have invested a lot of time, a lot of money, and having nothing because of that, we can do something. So that's why we dis- we decided collectively to provide our live streaming platform to allow live streaming on social media, like Facebook, Twitter, and so on, which is part of our technology, to make it free for anyone without no 30 days trial or whatever. No, it's free for everyone until things are going back to, I won't say normal, but something close to normality. And after that, we 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 saw also that all uh, the different inbound leads and potential customers and countries by countries, more COVID were affected the countries. We have a lot of inbound feeds. So basically going to three to five times uh, per day is the number of inbound leads on the business. So we had na- a natural positive impact on our business mm-hmm. basically without doing nothing. You know. Okay, that's really interesting. I, I think I guess for businesses which are more based in kind of uh, video sales, it makes a lot of sense. 
Um, I think something that, that a lot of uh, people who are who are like me taking a or are, are attending the wagon, um, we're wondering how uh, this will affect us getting hired and finding placements following the boot camp. Um, how does this uh, kind of affect your view of things like remote work or different hiring strategies uh, for, for teamwork? It's a great question. For me, in terms of hiring, there is two different processes. The first one is remote hiring. Uh, we were lucky at LifeScale because we've done it in the past. Uh, and I have in mind uh, Azeli at Customer Success and Hélène at uh, Digital Marketing. When we hired Azeli, she was based in Denmark. And when we hired Hélène, she was based in Hong Kong. So we've done all the hiring process remotely. And yeah, really great asset in the company. We really putting a lot in the company. So basically, it was a success. The second part of the process, what we started this week with uh, Jennifer and Francis, it's basically remote onboarding. So I'll integrate Jennifer and Francis in the team, in the team's culture. Uh, so we are going to see how it happens, but it really relies from on the empathy of the team. So and what we've seen when when we've done our lunch our weekly lunch on on Tuesday is that. Everybody was really happy to have Francis and Jennifer in the team. So it's really a question of their integration in the team, in the company. So we'll see, but I'm not worried because, again, we, we are really lucky at LifeScale because we are on a positive trend. For sure, when your company is on a negative trend because badly uh, impacted by the COVID, things are completely different. And I see it from fellow entrepreneurs who are living that those times where the business is going down sometimes just slightly, but they still have to hire people to continue their growth. And for, for the second time in terms of remote working, when you, are, when you are a tech company, of course, it's easier because you are using Slack, you are using Zoom, you are using all the tools. And basically, people who are born with digital and born with social media, I don't think it's an issue on a daily basis. But what's really important and what we are really taking care of at LifeScale is really mental health of everybody. Because one of our biggest concerns as a company is the work-life balance of everyone within the company. And for sure, with COVID, the work-life balance is completely shredded. <laughs> it's a new very, very different, yeah. So it's mm -hmm. being sure that everything, everybody's fine uh, because mm -hmm. when, when somebody is fine, for sure, when it's when we're talking about work, things are going to be easier even remotely. But if something is not fine, we have people in the company who have a lot of family. And that's my case. My parents are living in Spain. My brother is living in Japan. And in those countries, when you are reading the news, yes, sometimes it's, it can be complicated for, from, yeah. from, 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 from a mental health um, standpoint. So yeah. it, it requires for everybody to take care of each other two times other than normal condition. Have you seen a, uh, a change in productivity uh, throughout COVID? I could I couldn't say because one of the one of the pillars in our in our company culture is delivery. We, we don't look at productivity. We look at what people are delivering. And mm -hmm. that's why we, we, we take really mm -hmm. more time on mental health of everybody. Because if people feel fine, we know that the delivery and productivity will be fine. And it's a question so, of confidence. Right. I guess you trust your team to, yeah. enough to know that the delivery is going to be beyond part. Yeah, to death.
So, so when you are building a team, when you are looking to hire, um, I mean, I, I understand that a lot of different companies have different hiring strategies or philosophies as, as personally somebody who's, who's in, you know, a, a, a developer program, uh, but also has other passions, other interests. Um, how do those types of things factor in uh, when you're making a hiring decision? In terms of hiring uh, as a startup, as I was saying, the 20 first people are really important. So first for, I will say 75% of the decision, we are looking at the person first. So the human fit is tremendously important for us. Mm-hmm. Then comes the art skills. And what we try to um, to see behind a person, it's, uh, is progression capacity. So whether it's a junior or a senior, it's really to say how long they can stay with us, how long it will be a challenge they like within life scale, and to be sure that the, the person will fit the culture we are trying we are trying to build. Do you do you, do you set um, I guess either company or employee cultural uh, goals for for every you know period of time like each quarter each you know calendar year whatever. No, besides the four pillars of our company culture, the, the way we are managing the development of LifeScale, we manage it like a TV series. So at LifeScale, at the moment, we are in season two, episode three. Uh, episode three should finish on May 5. So if, okay. if my engineering team and product team are hearing me, I hope that it will finish on May 5. Uh, your mic went, uh, went again. So, so we're really trying to, to, to basically what is an episode? It's basically the goal and the KPI for the whole company for a certain period. And this certain period can be, let's say, a month to six months. We didn't set any barriers or, or, or specific uh, yeah, quarter or sprint. Uh, it, it's really the goal we want to achieve as a company. Could you give an example of what a goal would be, whether it's a product delivery or, or uh, something uh Sure. So, for example, last year we were um, season when we were season two. Um, it's a really funny way to put it out. It's very funny. When we were season two, episode one, uh, yeah. the goal was to achieve the first live shopping POC for uh, L'Oréal. Okay. So the episode should have started uh, something like July 15, just after demo day at Thunder Fuel. And it finished on October 25 when we achieved the first POC for, for L'Oreal. Interesting. So uh, what are kind of the future goals moving forward? We have a lot and it changed a lot at the moment. But, but okay. we, are, we, we, we have a specific goal for, for, this, for the current episode and we really want to achieve mm-hmm. it. But for sure, we, we, it took us some delay because of COVID. So that's why we don't mm-hmm. set a specific date. We, we set a specific goal, but a goal as a company and we're always trying to be sure that the whole company is aligned on this vision and objective. Cool. Uh, I, I have to ask, I'm just really curious, where did the idea to segment by episode come from? That's just a very, like, I've never heard of that before. That, that's part of the, let's say, the, the, the culture process of the process we are trying to build within the company because mm-hmm. we are trying to be a little bit different. And to be different, it requires also... F- for you as a company to create your own process because when people are joining you and they are buying 100% your process, you know that, yeah, they, they will be part of the company. And if some people are not comfortable with, you know that it's not a good human fit. So even if it's a wonderful backend developer or digital marketing expert, 
if the person doesn't fit the culture we are trying to build, it won't match. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess as we're kind of, we've been talking about a half an hour now, I think uh, I have a couple of questions kind of about entrepreneurship and any advice you might have for entrepreneurs or founders looking to, to kind of uh, gain some advice. Um, do you have any just words of wisdom for entrepreneurs who, who want to start their own business? Yeah, uh, now, is a, now is a good moment because creativity and success and growth come from chaos. It, we, we, we are the moment where a lot of people, uh, basically, they have lost all their, how can I say it in English, uh, en, en français, leur, leur référence, leur point de repère. So based on that, when you come on the market with a new approach, a new product, uh, a new technology, people will be more to discuss with you, watch the product technology or, or business model that they were before because everything has changed. And for sure, we are going to live in a world which is going to be completely different from the world we know not even six, six weeks ago. Yeah, let's actually build on that for a second. Uh, what are some of the, the, the key differences that you see coming from this? I mean, obviously, I mean, not obviously, the way I see it, a lot of remote work will be rethought. Commuting is obviously going to be a little bit different. Um, are there any other things that, that, that really stick out to you as, as key fundamental changes we expect? Yeah, for, for sure. What we see in, what we see in Quebec, for example, uh, I was reading an article in La Presse recently, or, or there, where the, the head of the health system in Montreal was saying basically, Oh, it, it took us some time to, to make our own data about the number of COVID cases in Montreal because it was complicated to aggregate all the numbers we, we get it by faxes. So we did some okay. digital transformation and now we get them by email. So first yeah. thing it's, of course, we will see an acceleration of digital transformation. There will be new trends. There will be some existing trends that will be boosted by a current use. So for example, e-commerce, for sure we will see e-commerce as a bigger part of the everyday consumption of products compared to a few months ago. Uh, because as soon as you have taken new habits, it's difficult to change or to come back from the habits you had previously. My concern is more uh, from, from the environment side because we see that oil is really low. And the risk is that, as we know, climate climate change is really important and environment transition also. The risk is to see a lot of people pushing for a, a carbon-based economy where it's also a good opportunity to go faster on a decarbonated uh, economy. Okay, very interesting. Um, um, yeah, so, so uh, as kind of just a sign-out question, uh, do you have any... Beyond the advice that you gave previously, um, any sources of information, be they books, movies, TV shows, mentors to look after, um, to, to people who want to learn more about how to start a business, how to be an entrepreneur, sure. uh, that maybe you could provide? I'm, I'm not a big book reader. <laughs> I read essentially when, when I'm on vacation, so I haven't yeah. read for a while now. Um, but, but basically, it's... Um, what I'm always trying to do is that's why I'm doing a lot of mentoring with, with startup in industries completely different from, from what we do. It's basically to try to detect some patterns in different industry, uh, that might be good ideas for your own, for your own business or your own industry. 
whether it's leadership, business model, uh, a lot of different things. So it's really to detect some small signals that you can apply to your own business. And I found also a lot of inspiration in the sports industry because when you are seeing great coach in, in basket, in soccer, or, or in football, or, or hockey, of course, uh, sometimes there is some tricks you can apply to, to your own business and especially to with your team, uh, not on your team, mm -hmm. but with your team because it's really important. Again, it's being a startup, it's a team's play. So team is really important. Human, the human factor is really important. And I dedicate basically a third of my time basically to be available with anyone in the company to be sure that everything is working fine for everyone. And I think that's at the beginning of a startup, something really important. Uh, could you give an example of a sports coaching technique that, that, that you've seen applied in business? Yeah, for example, in soccer, when 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 you watch analytics on soccer, you see that basically World Cup winners for the last 20 years were not the best teams in terms of individuals. And apply, the same applies in NBA. You see, it's really a, a game of complementarity between technical leaders, but also team players that basically play for the others. So it's really finding this alchemy in a team to be sure that you have some technical stars in your team that are going to lead the way of the one you are going to pass the ball because you know they have the skills to do it. But at the same time, it, it requires some background players to be sure that your team is efficient because if you create a team of stars and the best example was for the last, uh, uh, for the last um, uh, basketball uh, worldwide championships, I think it was in October, where basically the dream team of USA, they was beaten by France. And when you see the, all the NBA stars in the team, you say, how can they do? But basically yeah. it was only stars. There was no alchemy. That was with uh, LeBron James, right? LeBron, they call them. Yeah, Le LeBron, Anthony Davis, yeah. a lot of them are not yeah. there. But when you see the level on the paper, you say, oh my gosh, they are going to destroy all the teams in front of them. And the most example in, in the collective sports, you see that it's not the team with the, with the best individualities that works, but it's really a team's play. I, I just remember uh, I used to play basketball when I was a kid. I, I remember being told uh, by someone sometime that that uh, that the the sport that best replicated a business used to be football, and now it's moving towards basketball because it goes from you know having a quarterback being protected by his lineman to five people working together at the same time dynamically. Yeah, but what you see in a business today, for sure, I think basketball is better because what you see in basketball, and that the the theory we have at LifeScale, at LifeScale, I always say we are not a family, mm -hmm. we are not a bunch of friends, we are a wolf pack. So wolf pack is what it's basically a lot of individuals that are committed to the same vision and objective. It's just at life scale, the alpha male is turning depending on the subject. And it's the same in a basketball team because when you're looking at the five position, depending of the system uh, and depending of the period of the game, sometimes it will be uh, the pivot who, are go who is going to lead and have the charge of marking the most of points. Sometimes it, it, it will be the meneur. I don't know the English one. But it's really changing depending on the systems. And, and it's in a team and a startup today, that's typically the kind of game you have to play with. I think that's really, really good insight. Uh, I think that's it. Olin, uh, do we have any more questions? Uh, yes. 
So we, we've got some questions. Uh, I will read them uh, one by one. Uh, so first uh, one by Pierre, uh, since COVID, I guess you've seen a growth in demand. If yes, does your infrastructure was ready for that growth in demand? And in more general, uh, does LiveScale has been affected by spike or traffic? So yes, yes, yes. So yes, we our, our product and technology was designed to scale. So that's why we have chosen the name of LiveScale. It's really to say, okay, it has to be able to scale. So when you go just just a little bit behind the curtains, what we have, it's a multi-cloud technology, meaning that we can use and aggregate infrastructure from AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud, Alibaba, Tencent, to be able to handle all the traffic of the events of our customers. So in terms of business, we, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of traffic. We do more and more events. And what's more difficult, it's as we are creating a new category, which is live shopping for brands, it requires a lot of customer support or human evangelization to explain to our customer what it is and how they will make the most of it as it's really a new concept in the Western countries. Yeah. And uh, talking about challenges, also, uh, David uh, asked a question about like logical challenges you had at um, LiveScale. I, I will say today, as we are uh, in a growth mode at the moment, it's more a question of execution. So execution requires two things. It's basically talent and cash. So for, for the two topics, I think it's the most difficult at the moment to have the right people, uh, to hire the right people for the company on one part, and to get the money from investors, VCs, banks, to be sure we can finance our growth until we are break-even. And for the second question, yeah, see, what I've learned basically is it's to create company with the right people, uh, because sometimes you can create um, a company with the wrong people. And what does it mean? It means that everybody has to be aligned, I won't say on the vision, but on the, obje of the objective. And also to be sure that repartition of the different responsibilities are really clear amongst the, the first partners of the company. Uh, because if somebody says, I want to be the one who, I don't know, handles marketing because I know which kind of marketing we should do and another partner wants to do it, that's where you can have some problems. Okay. Uh, concerning if people again, uh, hiring, uh, we had a question from Solène uh, from the batch as well. Uh, when hiring, do you focus more on finding people who are well-rounded in many skills or do you look for people who are very focused on only a couple of skills but very good at it? None of them. <laughs> uh, first, we are looking at the person. So personally, yeah, um, no, no, I'm not talking for, for the company, but personally, I, I really love people that basically have done many things in their life. So if they have traveled worldwide, worked in different companies, sometimes drop schools and start school after. That was my case, for example. So I'm really looking to have people that are really curious, uh, have a sense of humor, because uh, I think the first thing, and then on the term of skills, we're always trying to focus if a specific skills is required, we are always trying to focus on one or two, not more, because we don't want the experts in the six technology we use and basically won't be able to progress with the company. We prefer to focus on, let's say somebody, for example, for the front-end developer, 
we we want somebody that who have experience with Vue.js. But for the other topics, if if the paper is smart and we believe that it can progress, of course, he's going to learn, I don't know, React, he's going to learn Node.js. That, that's not an issue and we, we are ready to help people to learn more skills, especially art skills, because the soft skills, it's more difficult to learn them than the art skills. That's true. That's true. Yes, I think also another question from Stalin. Yeah, it was more uh, concerning if you focus, uh, how much do you focus on cybersecurity? Uh, good question. Uh, I'm not the right person to answer about that. Uh, for sure, we have some some hard security tests from big tier one customer. And basically, what we found, there was no blocker. Everything was fine. Just few warnings we have to solve. So it means that what we have done is quite robust in terms of security. But of course, you can always improve. And as a startup, as a startup, if you have nothing left to improve, you have a problem because it means that you have reached your, your progression capacity. And if you are not, I won't say Google, but if you have not reached a certain size and nothing to improve, you, ha you have a problem. Yeah. Awesome. I think it was like the last question. I'm just going to check if we have any new one. No, that's it. I, maybe I have a last one to, to sum up. Uh, what do you have to say to those uh, amazing people uh, very eager to learn with us at the Coding Bootcamp uh, in terms of like uh, what should they do uh, right after the bootcamp uh, to, to get a, to have a successful life in tech? Sure. Um, I, will, I will take the analogy of the medical industry. Start to be generalist because as your training is quite short, it's six, it's six weeks, right? It's uh, nine. Nine, nine weeks. weeks. So nine weeks, there's a really short period of time to be an expert or, or let's say a senior in a topic. So the better is really to discover a lot of different topics in terms of programming, basically to be able to work and understand people that are experts in a specific domain, whether it's front-end, back-end, or, or, or other topics because the, and the second thing is really to work to be a good uh, functional archi architect because if you are a good functional architect, after that, choosing a specific technology to develop your project, your startup is a question of flavors. But if your architecture works in terms of, of functional, you, you're good to go. Thank you for listening to Lewagon Live. Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe.